You're listening to Halford and Bruff. with Phil, he's a freak, right? He can do a lot of things. He's a sports freak, right? So the freak, so the freak. RJ with room. Shot doesn't go. And that'll do it. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes. In Vancouver, Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 1 of the program. Hour 1 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. The show is as follows today, dear listeners. At 6.30, we're going to get things underway with uh, Luke Gazdick. He's going to join us yet again on the Halford and Bruff Show, former NHLer, now a Sportsnet NHL analyst slash panelist. Uh, we'll talk to him about everything that's going on around the National Hockey League. I want to ask him about Phil Kessel's return, which was a big news story yesterday because Luke is 34 and has been away from the game for a couple of years. Phil Kessel is even older. He's 36. So I want to ask Luke, as a former NHLer that's been away from the game for a while, can he appreciate how difficult it is what Phil Kessel is trying to do with the Vancouver Canucks right now? We'll speak to Luke at 6.30. Note the start time, Dan Rosen, NHL.com. We'll do a lot of trade deadline stuff with Dan. Uh, MetLife Stadium home of the New York Jets and Giants this weekend, is going to be home to two outdoor games. And Dan is on site for that, so we'll talk to him. Dan Rosen, of course, NHL.com senior writer. 8 o'clock, Drancer is going to join the program. Uh, Of course, Canucks talk and uh, the Athletic Vancouver. We'll talk to Drancer about tonight's game, the Canucks and the Red Wings, featuring Jake Wallman and his his dance. uh, That'll be going from Rogers Arena, 7 o'clock puck drop. A reminder... Pre-game, post-game, and the actual game all right here on Sportsnet 650. So Canucks Red Wings at 7 p.m., uh, Drancer at 8, Dan Rosen at 7, 10 a.m., Luke Gazdick at 6.30. That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Miss that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. It was Kessel, Kessel, and more Phil Kessel in the news yesterday for the Vancouver Canucks. The big club has the day off after returning home from a flight from Chicago following their win against the Blackhawks. So all the attention turned to Abbotsford, where Phil Kessel took to the ice for practice on Wednesday in what I think was probably the most publicized practice in the history of the Abbotsford Canucks. Hey, I've got a I've got an old school joke for you, but with a twist. Go. 
Phil Kessel flew into Abbotsford yesterday, and boy, were his legs tired. <laughs> hey <laughs> That's a good one. That's not like bad. That. That's hey, not bad. Like That's fun. not bad. Sadly, his legs were tired. <laughs> also his arms. <laughs> Pretty much every body part. Now, look. There were some media members that were either on hand or were able to obtain video of Phil Kessel's near hour-long skate with the Abbotsford Canucks. Then a couple of the reporters pointed out that Phil Kessel didn't look like he was in the greatest shape. To which I responded, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy that looks at a video of someone who hasn't played uh, at a high level for the better part of 10 or 11 months being gassed or winded. That was kind of to be expected for me. I'd like to focus more on this being the first step in what appears to be a multi-point plan for Phil Kessel and the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, Patrick Johnson of the province had an interview with Jim Rutherford yesterday in which he talked about a number of things, including Phil Kessel. Now, it certainly sounds as though the Canucks have a rather detailed plan when it comes to the future of Phil Kessel. So, Mm -hmm. we heard earlier Rick Tockett after the Chicago game speak about how this was the first phase for Kessel, the first step. Rutherford then said that Phil Kessel has to, quote, Go through a bunch of checkpoints before he can ultimately finish the plan. Checkpoint Charlie? That's right. Checkpoint Phil or checkpoint Kessel probably works better. Here's the thing. If you look at the timeline on this, the Canucks really only have one significant deadline that they need to meet in order for Phil Kessel to play with them at any point this year. Mm -hmm. He needs to sign a contract by the trade deadline on March 8th. He doesn't have to be with the Canucks. He doesn't have to be in the NHL at all. All he needs to do is to have signed an NHL contract. From there, they can do a variety of things. He can keep playing in Abbotsford on a pro tryout while he has an NHL contract in hand. He doesn't have to appear in the game before March 8th. He just needs to sign a contract. Right. All this leads me to believe is that they are in no rush. Phil Kessel, uh, Rick Tockett, the Vancouver Canucks brass, they're in no rush that this is just the beginning of what might end up being a kind of interesting and useful addition but not anytime soon. I guess the only other thing that could happen, though, is that some other team signs him. Sure. Could happen. You would imagine. It's, it's like when you have a guy for a PTO. Yeah. And he plays well. And... The old Scotty Upshaw. Yeah. He got the free trip to China, and then he signed with the Blues. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, uh, uh, there was a lot of publicity yesterday about Phil Kessel, and the cameras were out in Abbotsford. Um, the Canucks, as you mentioned, didn't practice, so... There was nothing uh, to go film or practice for the Canucks, so they went out and saw Phil Kessel, and there were a couple of reporters that were out there and were watching him skate, and or at the very least, they saw the video of him skating, and he looked tired. So it took less than 24 hours for the, is he in shape questions, and I'm sure a few people threw in some cheap hot dog jokes, and, you know, get him a hot dog and he'll be fine, or something along those lines. They sure did, Jason. Yeah, I love that. Uh, And, you know, this is the Phil Kessel experience, and we're getting it right away. So, the Phil Kessel experience also includes comments from his former assistant coach in Pittsburgh, now the head coach in Vancouver, Rick Tockett. So, yesterday, during the TNT broadcast of the Penguins-Panthers game, uh, the Spit and Chicklets guys did like a Manning cast alongside of the broadcast. It was Wit and Biz, and they were on a side panel, much like Peyton and Eli were for a bunch of football games this year. And one of their guests during the broadcast was none other than Rick Tockett, 
who used to work on TNT and, of course, is now kind of sort of Phil Kessel's head coach, though no, not technically yet. Uh, I want to play two audio clips here. The first is a funny anecdote that uh, Talk had had about Phil Kessel during their time together in which Phil Kessel bet him that he couldn't do chin-ups. And then the other one... I bet it wasn't their only bet. No, it definitely wasn't. It seemed way too casual and cavalier to be their first and only bet. You want to start with the chin-ups one? I want to start with the chin-ups, and then I want to move to the actual hockey stuff because Talk does talk about this being the first phase. But the first clip, I think, is more important. It's not just about their relationship, but he also talks about what Phil Kessel brings to the team. Here now, Rick Tockett on the chin-up challenge with Phil Kessel. We're playing game seven against Washington, and guys, some guys are playing soccer, other guys are working out, you know, getting ready, and he, like he always does, has a coffee, he sits on the, the trainer's trunk in the hallway, and wash. you guys have been there before. And I'm outside, and me and him, we usually, me and him talk a lot, right? Uh, and he's like, anyways, we're talking about something, there was a chin-up bar, and he said something, he goes, I said something I wish I was playing, you know, I wish I could, because you couldn't play it nowadays. I said, I, you know, whatever, right? So I said, Phil, I'd, I'd stuff you in a box two seconds right now, that kind of stuff. And he said, you can't even do five chin-ups. And I said, you want, want to make a bet? I'll, I'll bet you tw- I can do 12 right now. And he goes, how much? And, 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 you know, he said, I'll bet you 300 bucks. I said, make it 400. I said, all right. So I take the jacket off. I got this, this you know, the tie on. And I, I, I crank out 12. I actually need 13. All credit to him. All the guys come over and they start, you know, counting and, uh, you know, they started high-fiving me. Anyways, he goes in the locker room, comes out with 400 bucks, and I go back in the uh, back in the coach's room. Sully goes, where were you? I thought you went to just get a coffee. He goes, no, nah, I had to go make 400 bucks, and I told him the story. They laughed. <laughs> Anyways, he, the moral to the story is we won the game, and uh, that's the sort of stuff Phil does. You know? And that just further proves that Rick Tockett is still in sh- Shape and could beat up Rod Brindamore. Yeah, crank right. out 12 chin ups. 300 bucks. 400 bucks. I'm I'm like, <laughs> Brindamore's like, watch this, does 600 chin ups. So I'm watching the broadcast. I'm like, this is a story about Phil Kessel, but did Talkin hear our conversation about fighting Rod Brindamore? <laughs> is he flexing on everyone right now? Just anyway. Just some Rocky montage at, Phil, uh, at Rick Talkin's place. The other thing that he talked about, because the guys, Biz and Whitney, wanted to know specifically about what's Phil, what is next for Phil Kessel in Vancouver. Uh, here's talk it, talking about the first phase of skating and then what's next for Phil Kessel in Vancouver. We message a little bit, but I think it's more uh, for him to see where he's at. We got the, you know, the skills coaches going to work with him. You know, he's been off for 10 months, but the thing with Phil, he's a freak, right? He's a, he's a, he's a, he can do a lot of things. He's a sports freak, right? Um, so I don't know, I don't know where he's in shape. I know the one thing he can pass the puck. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Like the first phase here is the next four or five days he was at uh, physically before we even entertain anything from there. So in case you're wondering, and if you're looking for something to do this weekend, a friend of a reminder that the uh, Abbotsford Canucks do have a pair of games, including one, a matinee game on Monday, Family Day. If you want to check them out, maybe Kessel gets into the lineup. Who knows? We don't really know yet. What I do know is that the Vancouver Canucks will be back in action tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. The rematch against Jake Wallman. And the gritty. And I'm going to put that conversation aside. Forever. Although I did note, I Why? did notice, I did notice that we had a Washington or Detroit Red Wings guest booked, and then he bailed on the hit. Yeah. And I got to say, it's be it's probably due to fear of retribution, right? <laughs> he, he didn't want to talk about the gritty. Yeah, I like I can understand why he he decided not to come on the show, and that's fine because we can do this ourselves. So uh, this is an interesting matchup because uh, Vancouver is looking for the uh, gritty revenge factor and also, more importantly, losing in overtime just on Saturday, five days ago. Um, 
so they've got that going for them. But the Red Wings have the bounce back factor going for them because the game after the Vancouver win, they went into Edmonton and got lit up by Connor McDavid, who had six assists in an 8-4 Edmonton Oilers win. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. If you actually look at this Detroit team, they're fifth in their division. And you'd say at you know first blush, well, they're not having that good of a year. And how good, good could they be? They're fifth in the division. They're also in the second and final wildcard spot. Uh, I do believe that the Atlantic is the most deep division in the NHL, reflected by the Detroit Red, Red Wings. So they came out of the break. They beat Vancouver on Saturday. They got, as you mentioned, they got blown out by Edmonton the other night. There's an interesting development in net because Vili Huso, who's been dealing with injuries all year, played, I think, nine minutes against the Oilers and got hurt. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be Alex Lyons' night off. Alex Lyons' like, <sighs> okay, fine. And then he responded by allowing seven goals mm-hmm. in that game against the Oilers. It destroyed his save percentage. Who too. else do they have there? Like James Reimer? James, James Reimer, yeah. And Michael Hutchinson's in the mix as well. So Reimer's just kind of been hanging out. Right. As the third goalie. Mm-hmm. And I think now, now they didn't practice yesterday in Vancouver, by the way. They had a day off in Vancouver. I don't know what they did, Japa Dog or something or other. But, um, oh, they we, met Phil. Yeah, they didn't get any. We got no updates on what's happening in net with them. But uh, I'm kind of looking at everything else that's going around this game because, you know, Saturday, for the way that it ended and the gritty and everything, it was a very intense, very feisty affair for two teams that don't play each other that often. You'll remember. Nikita Zadorov got a two-game suspension for his quote-unquote headshot on Lucas Raymond. Hey, when is Nikita Zadorov back? Well, Jason, he's back tonight. He is cleared. Oh. His two-game suspension will turn to the lineup. I also kind of forgot that Noah Juleson... <laughs> Zadorov comes out, he's like, these guys again? <laughs> yeah. Do I have to hit this Raymond guy in the head again? Fine. And then there was Noah Juleson, who also had a big hit on Lucas Raymond. That started a kerfuffle. And another thing I forgot... But we will Juleson be in the lineup? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I totally forgot about from the weekend, because we really only focused on the Washington game and the Super Bowl. Fair enough. Coming in here on Monday, I forgot that Alex Debrinket fought and he fought uh, uh, Ian Cole. Did there, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. He instantly regretted that. You know what? I should not have done that. That's a brave move for mm-hmm. that guy. I give him a lot of credit because yeah. Alex Debrinket is. The I sh- also give Ian Cole credit for winning the fight. Yeah. Don't lose. Well, Cole at the end, you could tell it was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, it's you, over now. He had a yeah, chance yeah. to. I don't want to hurt him one at the end, and he mm-hmm. held back. Because Alex Brinkett's the shortest guy yeah. in the NFL. And then Ian Cole called him son. Good fight, son. <laughs> he tussled his hair. And took took him out for ice cream. was like, "I'm not your son. I'm not your son." Put it this way: Debrink- You're not my father. <laughs> Debrinket is generously listed at five foot eight. Generously. That's with skates. Yeah. So anyway, there, there was a lot that went into that game. Uh, on Saturday, so I'm actually very- well. The Red Wings, as as you mentioned, like they're they're in desperation mode. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in what a while. I don't know. It hasn't been as long as the Buffalo Sabers playoff drought, but you know this is a team that it was. Re- remember going into the season, we wondered about three teams. We wondered about Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit. Mm-hmm. Well, Buffalo has been another disappointment. Ottawa has been through a lot, including a lot of losses, although they got that big empty netter the other day against Toronto. Huge. I wonder what else happened there. Uh, anyway, they got an empty netter, uh, and they're going to miss the playoffs. And Detroit is kind of the last hope for those three. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, you know, if, if they make the playoffs, it has a knock-on effect for a bunch of other teams 
the ones that will be kept out. Like it'll sure. be a big deal if New Jersey doesn't make the playoffs. It'll be a big deal. Um, even though we might not have expected the Islanders to make the playoffs, they certainly had expectations and they've gone as far as bringing in Patrick Waugh to turn that team around. Hasn't worked so far. And uh, maybe the team we should talk about just for a few minutes right now are the Pittsburgh Penguins who just still can't get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I, I, I point out their underlying numbers, which look pretty good. They've got a positive goal differential, which is rare for a team outside the playoff picture, especially as far back as they are from the playoff picture. They got a plus 10 goal differential, but they just can't seem to can't seem to win games and enough games. And now there's word that Jake Gensel might be out for a while, which make, could make their season even worse if they can't trade him. If they can't even trade him and get something for him at the deadline, mm-hmm. man. So the Penguins lost 5-2 to the Florida Panthers last night. That's their third loss in a row, as Jason mentioned. They just can't find a way to put games in the win column right now. And then the worst development of all might not have been the loss to the Panthers, but rather the fact that, as you mentioned, Gensel is currently being evaluated for an upper body injury. He left the game early in the third period yesterday after he took a hit from Nico Mikola. Did not return uh, it didn't sound great post-game. I watched the audio and, and through gritted teeth, although I'm sure some of it had to do with the fact that it was because his team lost. Sullivan offered a very terse no update, but he did say that it's an upper body injury for Jake Gensel. So that could really throw a wrench on two fronts into the Penguin season. Mm-hmm. One, in terms of getting wins and losses, Gensel's one of their top scorers. Not having him will be a disaster. And if they're not able to move him at the deadline for assets, then it's almost this double loss that they have going into what could be a very uncertain future. So the Penguins came out of the All-Star break, and it looked pretty good because they got a 3-0 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Since then, three straight losses all in regulation at Minnesota, at Winnipeg, and home to Florida. So, you know, you look at those teams, Minnesota is actually playing some pretty good hockey, and the Canucks are going to play them on Monday uh, that's an after. Is that eleven a.m. Eleven a.m. and uh, it's eleven, 11 a.m. local time. It's, it's a game. It's a game in Minnesota at the yeah, XL yeah. Energy Center. Yeah, but yeah, you mentioned the Jets and you mentioned the Wild. Oddly enough, both those teams were in action last night. Uh, the Jets beat the Sharks in the in the West Side Story game. Right. When you're a Jet, you're a Jet. I don't. Know. I've never seen it. Uh, that's close enough. Uh, you should have kept going. Um, so it was a lackluster affair, even though it had a good West Side storyline in it. Uh, a one nothing win. For the Jets, the only reason I mention this is that the Jets uh, will face the Canucks on Saturday. It's going to be a Hockey Night in Canada game. Uh, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to it. The Jets have kind of righted the ship a little bit. They've got two wins in a row after that five-game losing streak. Here's a funny one from last night's game. They badly outplayed and outshot the the San Jose Sharks, even though they only won one nothing. <laughs> you would you, hope so. You would think the score effects at some point would kick in for the Sharks when they were trying to catch up and they were down one nothing. Yeah, not in a one nothing. Well, they game, were trying to get the one goal. Yeah, I guess. They, yeah, <laughs> this is how tight Winnipeg is defensively. Mm-hmm. They held San Jose, who again was trailing one nothing and was trying to score a goal, to five shots in the third period. Yeah, the Sharks are probably like, you know what? Lose by one goal, that's not bad. That's a win for us. So let's let's lock it down. Let's lock down this one nothing loss. This actually helps our goal differential by only losing by one, so that's good. And then I mentioned... Coach won't get too mad if we only lose by one goal. And then I mentioned the Minnesota Wild. I don't know where this came from, but the Minnesota Wild are the hottest team in the Western Conference. They've won four straight. They've won seven of ten. 
They beat the Arizona Coyotes last night. They've actually been pretty good under John Hines. I only bring this up because the Canucks are going to be there in, on Monday, and it's an 11 a.m. start. It's a weird time. It's and they're weird... sneaky in the playoff race, right? They're three points back of St. Louis. They're 20-14-1 and one on, with 34 games under John Hines. So they host Buffalo, not a good team, on Saturday. So they could extend that win streak to five before they face the Canucks on Monday. Just keep an eye on it. That's all I'm saying. I think a lot of people thought that they were ready to wave the white flag on the season and start selling off assets, but mm-hmm. that hasn't happened yet. They're tied it's with the, the Calgary Flames in terms of points and one point up on the Seattle. They've Kraken. been sneaky good. Like I, I, when I was doing the research last night, I had no idea that they had won four straight and seven of their last ten. They're the hottest team in the, the West. The Flurry, the, good, good vibes show. It is, it is a good, the good vibes show yeah. for Flurry for if, sure. If the Canucks can finish first in the Western Conference. And it, that still blows my mind to to say that. And currently they have a six-point cushion on the Dallas Stars, although the Stars have a game in hand. Um, if they can win that, they're probably going to get a team like St. Louis, Nashville, mm-hmm. Calgary, Minnesota, or Seattle. Yeah, some very and mid-teams in there. Mid-teams. Um, what, I, what I hope is that they don't, if that happens, they don't get – the Kings. I would not want to say as currently constructed. Not that I'm be, terrified be, <laughs> of the Kings. No, as currently but, constructed. You know, I'm I okay. hope they don't. I just wonder if the Kings have one big move. Yeah. To get a goal. UC yeah, Soros. That's right. Uh, a couple other things I want to run through in the world of sports. Last time, there's actually a lot of things that happened. Uh, Flyers named Sean Couturier captain. The only reason I bring this up is because the Flyers keep defying expectations and they're still very much in a playoff position. In the Eastern Conference, uh, Couture is also a pretty awesome story. He missed a ton of time, almost, uh, what was it, 18 months, 22 months in total with his back surgery and then all the complications from it. They were without a captain for two years. So it, I thought the timing was that you don't get a lot of um, captain announcements mid-season, post-All-Star break in February. But I think the Flyers really think that they have a chance of getting in the playoffs this year. There's six points up. On the New Jersey Devils, Devils have a couple games in hand, but they got that third spot in the Metro. They've won four straight. Uh, of note, that now leaves us with just four, count them, four captainless teams in the National Hockey League. Anaheim, Arizona, Chicago, and Seattle, who you mentioned. Um, I'm going to ask Dan Rosen later a little bit about the New York Islanders because I think they're almost on the verge of breaking down. Patrick Waugh bag-skated the living daylights out of them yesterday ahead of their stadium series game. Bo Horvat and the boys had to do had to do some gassers at the end of practice after a really hard practice. And mm-hmm. Arthur Staple had a piece in the Athletic talking about: Are we really doing this still? The push to finish eighth so we can get eliminated in the right. first round of the playoffs. Like, the, I know it's early, but the Islanders is have Bo, been. Is Bo still having a lot more fun than he did in Vancouver? See, is here's it still a lot more fun for Bo. Not he still yesterday. tell us that for free. Yeah, mm-hmm. he would tell us that for yeah, free. He's like that actually costs ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> And he was panting while he was doing it. But uh, the Islanders haven't gotten any better under Patrick Wall. Like, the new coach bump has been non-existent. They haven't moved anywhere in the standings. They've actually dropped a spot from ninth to 10th. They're a 500 team under Patrick Wall. And I think a lot of people are saying, that's because they're a 500 team. Like, that's it. Lane Lambert, Patrick Wall, doesn't matter. So we'll, we'll keep a, an eye on that. We'll talk to Dan Rosen later. We're going to do some of the Eastern Conference stuff with Dan. Uh, I do want to end what happened on a very tragic and very sad note. So yesterday, as I'm sure a lot of you saw, um, there was a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. 
Eight children were among the 22 people hit by gunfire, and there was a fatality. A mother of two, identified by a radio station that she worked at locally, KFFI, who later confirmed her passing in a Facebook post. Uh, Kansas City police said that three people had been detained as part of the investigation. Uh, It should be noted that this is just the latest in a series of sports celebrations in the United States to be marred by gun violence. There was a shooting in downtown Denver after the Nuggets won the NBA championship last year. There was also gunfire at a parking lot near the Texas Rangers World Series championship parade as well. So unfortunately, this becomes prevalent in American society and now apparently in American sports celebrations. And this is how the reaction went in the United States. In other news, uh, after just one season as the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes is out. Right, and that's, I mean, almost the most problematic thing of all is mm-hmm. that it got added. People are getting used to this. It got added to the news stack. Yeah. And, just... it got, and it got added in the AP article that I was reading to a list of championship sports celebration shootings. Like, it's not a one-off. This is the one that happened in football because it already happened in basketball. Well, there was one at the Raptors. Probably. Yeah. So um, it is is a broken society, uh, to put it mildly, and it's incredibly tragic and incredibly sad for the people that were injured and the one that lost uh, her life yesterday. Uh, we've got a lot more to get to. Stick around. You're listening to the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are going to get to Sportsnet NHL analyst Luke Gazdick in a moment here, but we have big breaking news from the National Hockey League. Sportsnet 650 breaking news. The Columbus Blue Jackets have dismissed general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. News came down about two minutes ago. John Davidson, along with the team's hockey operations management squad, will now assume interim general manager duties while the club goes through the process of hiring a replacement. So Kekalainen is, was one of the longest tenured general managers in the NHL. His tenure with the Blue Jackets goes all the way back to February 13th, 2013. So just over 11 years, uh, John Davidson has a quote in the press release. Uh, this is one of the hardest days I've had in my career as Yarmo is a friend, someone I have a great deal of respect for and someone who has done a lot of good things during his time here. 
while the future of our club is bright, our performance has not been good enough, and it is time for a fresh perspective as we move forward. We all remember what we were talking about uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets as they entered the season. Can Mike Babcock turn the Columbus Blue Jackets around? And we all know how the Mike Babcock experience went. It was short-lived, and we all know how the Columbus Blue Jackets season has gone. If it could be short-lived, they would have chosen for that option because it's been so bad. Yeah, it's been a real tough couple of years for Kekalainen, who, to be fair, has taken this Columbus organization to the greatest heights in franchise history. Uh, The Tortorella years were very fruitful for them. They won a playoff series for the first time. Uh, Tortorella got them to 50, 45, and 47 wins. It looked like they might have been a team on the grow, but the last few years have been real bad. As a matter of fact, uh, they've only got 16 wins this season. So you think about uh, what has largely been a wildly disappointing Johnny Gaudreau signing, and that was one of Kekalainen's sort of final big moves in Columbus. You talk about the debacle that was the Mike Babcock hire, and to be honest, a lot of people thought Kekalainen was going to be made to walk the plank after mm-hmm. the Babcock dismissal. He was able to stay on for a few more months, but this is a organization that seems like it's always embroiled in some sort of controversy yeah. or some sort of dysfunction. And at the end of the day, a guy who had been there for 10 years is now out of a job. Yarmo Kekalan fired in Columbus. That is your breaking news. Uh, first thing this morning, let's go to the phone lines. Now the dispatch plumbing, heating and air conditioning hotline. Uh, I know we're throwing them on the spot here with some breaking news, but Luke Gazdick joins us now. Uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst, former NHLer on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Luke. How are you? Good, fellas. How you doing? Uh, we are well. Uh, it's big news this morning out of Columbus. One of the longest tenured GMs in hockey in that market for over a decade. Yarmo Kekalainen is GM. He's out. My first knee-jerk gut reaction to this was not of huge surprise because I mentioned how tumultuous things had been in Columbus. Uh, you were on the line waiting on hold when you heard about this. What was your reaction when you heard that Yama Kekalainen had been fired in Columbus? A uh, long time coming, to be honest. Uh, I know you kind of talked about some of the good times that they had since he's been at the helm. Um, I think I culminated with, uh, with that playoff win against Tampa a couple years back, but you know, it hasn't been good for years now. And the handling of some of the younger prospects, um, the Babcock thing, I think, was the start of the end. I honestly thought that there might have been a chance that that should and could have happened at that time. Even just being around in the studio at Sportsnet, um, listening to some of the a couple of my coworkers talk about it, they expected it to kind of happen around then. Uh, I think there was bigger expectations for this team this year, too. I'm not saying they were going to, you know, turn it all around and be a top team in the league. But, heck, look at Philadelphia. There was no expectations on a team like Philly. I know they got torched there, but you hire the wrong coach in the beginning. And I just think expectations were a little higher than 16 wins. Um, and with a GM, maybe he doesn't have that much – um, that much to do with it this year in terms of the on ice, but I just think this was this was a long time coming, guys. My question now, I guess, and I won't throw you on the spot here because you probably don't know much. Like most of us, is what would have prompted them to do this? Now you don't get a lot of GM dismissals on February fifteenth of the regular season. Maybe it's to get some fresh eyes on it as they go into the trade deadline. Who knows? But I did want to pivot onto something else here, Luke, because locally the big news 
is Phil Kessel. And Phil Kessel uh, has re has joined the Vancouver Canucks organization. He's down in the American League with Abbotsford. He had a he had a twirl yesterday, just over an hour's worth of practice. And okay, so you're 34, right, Luke? <laughs> yes, I'm 34. I think I know where you're going with this, but yeah, Phil, uh, yeah. Phil Kessel, Phil Kessel's two years older. He's 36. He's been away from the game for a long time. You've obviously been retired for a little while now. Can you appreciate how difficult it is to try and do what Phil Kessel is attempting to do here? One hundred percent. And I wasn't mad at it, I'd say, but I saw another tweet this morning with a video of him huffing and puffing in a drill at practice. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, no matter how much you're skating and you're wheeling around, especially at that age, like it's going to take some time. And I just didn't love how we're like assessing every single practice. And now, you know, in Abby, he's got a cell phone camera or a regular camera on him watching him do every drill. I'm like, man, just give the guy some time. Like it's going to take him a couple weeks at least to, of even just skating and doing drills, I think to, uh, to get back into this thing. I couldn't even imagine it right now. I play alumni games and I'm just huffing, I'm huffing up and down the ice. So not even like the conditioning thing. I mean, I'm, my body's pretty banged up. I know he's got that Ironman, Ironman uh, in him, but it's going to take some time. And I mean, that's the American League level, but he's got to skate. He's got to get his hands going, get the legs going, get a little bit of conditioning back. There's nothing like being back in a pro practice the pace that they run it at, and this isn't even the NHL level yet. Uh, it just takes, a, obviously, another level. But I hope people appreciate how hard it is to do what he's doing, no matter what he was accomplishing um, at, you know, while he was back home. I'll never forget, I was at home in Toronto looking for a job. I was 29, skating with an OHL team here, so a junior team. I was practice, full practicing with them every day. I thought I was in incredible shape. I got a call from Dallas Eakins and the Anaheim Ducks said, come down to camp, flew down basically the next day, and I, I looked worse than Kessel did, puffing and puffing. I was stick on the knees after every drill. There's just nothing like skating with a whole bunch of other pro players. Were you cognizant of, like, Oh God, don't look too tired. Uh, 100%. And true story, I got true story. I got there on a Monday and we had our conditioning test on the Wednesday skating conditioning test on the Wednesday. And it was a six sprint down and back for time. And I, I, I couldn't walk for, for a day. Like I, I like I was done after that. And I just remember after everyone just thinking, stay upright, stay upright. Don't show them. Don't show them that you're, that you're uh, struggling this much, but uh, yeah, it's, it's tough guys. Like uh, I know he probably wants to get this thing going, but it's going to take some time. What is a beep test? Like a beep test. I've done them on the ice and off the ice. They're generally done off the ice and Mm -hmm. it's a distance. I believe it's like, call it 20 yards. And what you do is you hear the beep. It's basically a metronome and you have to make it there and back before the next beep. Okay. And then there, and there's levels to it. So every level you go up, the beep, the duration between the beep gets shorter. So by the time you get to like level 12, you're basically just sprinting back and forth. I'm not kidding you. It is one of the most grueling tests you can do for your body. I am so glad I'm retired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so is the is the idea of how many beeps you can make it like I, how many did you get to six and you know some other yeah. guys would be like I'm I'm a ten guy you think you're better than me or whatever like is that is that the idea of it? 
Hundred percent. I okay. think uh, you know anything in the double digits was good. Anything level ten was good. Eleven was excellent, and if you were over eleven, it was uh, freakish. Um, and I've seen some guys do some pretty pretty crazy uh, tests. But yeah, I remember I had one coach that we did it actually on the ice, which was a bit of a nightmare stopping and starting that many times. Um, but yeah, anything in the double digits was was really good. Um, of all the guys that you played with in your pro career, who's in the best shape? Ooh, good question. Uh, in the NHL, and our captain, Andrew Ference, was insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like a noted biker, cyclist. The VO2 we did there, which the VO2 is similar, but there's no stops. You essentially ride on a bike or on a treadmill. We did it on a bike, and the pressure gets harder and harder. The tension gets harder and harder and you have to keep it above a certain RPM. And as soon as you start falling down, you get three strikes and you're done. And after Ference finished that VO2, I think it was our first, my first year in Edmonton, 2014, he, uh, the people that administered the test said they had never seen a player with that score before. I think he had 72 or something like that, which is like, I had like 47, like it was like off the charts. So mm. I'll give it to uh, Ference, but you know what? I played with both the Ben brothers, Jordy and Jamie, and surprisingly, those two are some of the best in-shape guys that I've ever played with. I know they're over closer to you. They grew up on the island, um, so I'll give them a little credit as well. So um, do you know Phil Kessel at all? I don't. He's one of the players. He um, He spends most of his summers in Toronto. He had his cup parties here. Um, he's just one of those guys that I played 11 years and played against him, um, for a number of those years. And just one of those guys I've never met. Um, the value of him on a team, I'm sure you've heard some stories, the value of him on a team like the Canucks. Um, do you think that would be, do you think there's more value in having him as a potential addition to the roster or is it more, off the ice, keeps things light. Um, Rick Tockett has said before that he thinks the Canucks are kind of a quiet group. Um, I don't know, maybe he thinks they need a little more lightheartedness in in the room. Or do you think there's value in his experience, the fact that he's gone to Stanley Cup Finals and he's he's won Stanley Cup Finals, he's won it as a player that did important things for the Pittsburgh Penguins and he did it at, mostly as a healthy scratch with the Vegas Golden Knights last year. I think he gives you a lot of that uh, good stuff on and off the ice. I think Talk knows that. That's why he brought him in. Uh, he's going to dictate whether he can still give you something on the ice. That's one thing I really um, can't speak on, whether he can still give you something at the NHL level. But to have him in the room, you know, hearing guys in Vegas last year talk about how good he was to have around for their run really spoke volumes to me. Because I also feel like, and this is nothing against Phil, or I'm not taking a shot at anyone that has done this in the past, but that can, it can also be a bit of a distraction, right? Someone that's not playing, like if he gets up there and he's just healthy scratch time and time again, um, I feel like that can also be a bit of a distraction. But even just to have him around there, whether it's telling stories, talking about his experience, um, being on the ice every day for younger players to kind of, you know, look over and, and see that he's there in the room, whatever it is, it's always a good thing. I, I just, I'm a big fan of having experience in your locker room. And I think it speaks volumes. Like I said, that he wasn't in a great situation in Vegas last year. 
uh, not really being part of that group. I mean, being part of it, but not really being part of the on ice product. And the guys still are saying very good things about the way he carried himself. I think it's a win-win for them. I was just waiting for someone to do this. And of course it was the Canucks who have just made great additions all year. Like every time I I'm on Twitter or hearing whatever, it's like Canucks do this Canucks trade. I just, I sit back and I go, wow, what a great move, you know? And it's just another one in the books for this management group. We are speaking to Sportsnet NHL analyst and former NHLer Luke Gazdick here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, I feel like we've only got maybe days, maybe even hours left to get the last bit of mileage out of the Morgan Riley thing. So I got to ask you this. When it happened, you wrote on Twitter that you quote-unquote loved what Riley did in response to Ridley Grieg. Greg, however we're going to pronounce his name. Um, do you still feel the same way? Because a few things have transpired since that game, and it's gotten a little out of hand and a little out of control. But do you still feel the same way? You love what Morgan Riley did in response? Man, Twitter's a funny thing, or X is a funny thing, right? It's it's an awful it, thing. It, it's, it's an awful you, thing. Exactly. It's an, absolute, <laughs> it's an absolute cesspool. So okay. it's, it's either I comment on it right away and have to have my take down uh, down pat and stand with it or I wait a day and then people are all over me because they're like of course you wait well, silent for 24 hours and now you now you say this and it's tougher on tv too because we got to process that stuff in real time yep listen I still love it I but I but I think the misconception for people is that I love both of it like I started laughing out loud when Ridley took that slap shot I was on my couch and I started chuckling because I just went oh my oh my gosh oh my gosh and then I see Riley 10 feet away like if anyone knows hockey and has played and I I know I don't love saying that you know you you wouldn't understand if you didn't play this and that but you can put two and two together he knows exactly what he's doing on the breakaway like that is it's a, it's an energy adrenaline filled game um, rivalry, call it a rivalry, even no one team's been better over the last couple of years, call it, but uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. That's a calculated move. And uh, I just, I don't think he expected Riley to cross check. Like he said, uh, that's the only part that I'll say. I don't think it warranted a cross check to the teeth, but like I said on, on TV the other day, um, I, I don't mind the intention. I love the intention and what Riley's thinking. Just because how much I live here in Toronto. This has been the MO of this team for how many years? That they're soft. They have no heart. They have no emotion. Like, they just roll over all the time. Their top guys don't do anything. And then, you know, it's, it's about time that they were disrespected, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. um, even though I love it. Um, I, I really, truly love the whole sequence. I love rivalries in hockey. This Battle of Ontario has gotten a little stale over the last couple of years, and it's about time we saw some fireworks. Well, Mike and I have often bemoaned the lack of rivalries in the NHL, and some of it probably is painted from a Vancouver perspective in that the Canucks haven't been in the playoffs for a while, um, or at least regularly uh, for the last decade, so we haven't had time to hate uh, any other team well except our own team you know for for a while um true. but does the nhl as a whole do you feel that the nhl as a whole has lost some of that juice that's uh, that, that that those rivalries even in the regular season would bring 100 percent. and i started seeing it um bleed into the game even when i was 
in the league in the mid, I don't know if we're calling them the mid 2010s, where the explosion of social media and everybody kind of knowing each other and you, you essentially have one degree of separation with every single player in the league. So if, if there's someone on Vancouver, I know someone that is really good friends with Jake, call it JT Miller. Yeah. So if something happened on the ice, he's a great guy. No, what's JT like? And then buddy's like, Oh no, he's great. He just plays that way. So then you're kind of thinking about that a little bit. And then towards even the end of my career, when I'm in the American league, like, Guys are having full-blown conversations at the red line and warm-up. Like, how's it going? How was your summer? And I'm like, can we not just put this aside for like 60 minutes? <laughs> and guys, like, would, they wouldn't give me crap about it. But, like, I would truly. Like, I fought some of my best friends, like, ev- like ever. Mm-hmm. Tommy Wilson I fought in the NHL, who's back home, one of my best friends. Sometimes you have to put stuff like that away. And I just – I love – good bitter old rivalries and even the battle of alberta like i was getting hyped for that the other night what was it three weeks ago now something like that in calgary saturday night and they threw a no hitter like there wasn't even one thing said after any whistles and the battle of alberta playoff series was so disappointing it, i know and it's just like yeah. i i think that's where we're trending and i really hope the NA, i don't know how i'm going to say they kind of market it but battle florida ontario alberta whatever it is whoever you're playing um that you've had a little angst with in the past like I, i'm starting to see it creep back into games and stuff so that's always a good thing a little animosity and a little hate goes a, a long way to being entertaining big night in the nhl tonight 12 games on tap including the late one it's the vancouver canucks and the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Luke, thanks for doing this, man. As always, it's great getting you on the show. Uh, Enjoy all the games tonight. Uh, We'll do this again soon. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. That's former NHLer and NHL Sportsnet analyst Luke Gazdick here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I love it when I can bring on a fellow uh, hockey dinosaur, you know? Not a dinosaur. He's way way younger than me. It was funny. I was looking at the calendar for tonight, and I was like, uh, we have several great rivalries coming up tonight, including... The Ducks and Senators, a rematch of the 2007 Stanley Cup oh, final. Still, Stanley some, Cup still final. some hard feelings over that. Yeah. Was that the one where Alfie fired a slapper at Scott Niedermeyer? He did. Yeah. yeah. See? So Ray that, Emery was starting for Ottawa. Yeah. Fly, actually, you know what? The, I'm actually kind of in one game that I'm kind of intrigued by is the Flyers and Leafs tonight. Uh, I want to see if the Leafs le- legitimately, I know people will probably get like, they'll be like, oh, please don't push this agenda. But can the Leafs galvanize around this? Because they played a really solid game against St. Louis in Morgan Riley's first game being suspended. And then they were also missing Tavares and Marner. And I saw a lot of people in Toronto just like, like knock Marner and Tavares down the lineup now because that's the way you should play hockey. Mm. Okay, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to continue the NHL conversation coming up with Dan Rosen from NHL.com. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, we're going to speak with Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. We will also look ahead to tonight's game. A reminder, it is the Canucks and the Red Wings, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Uh, No giveaways today on the Halford and Bruff Show. But that doesn't mean our love. We're giving away our love. We are we're sending our love down the well and yeah. out there into listener land. Also, we're giving you an opportunity to be on the show. If you want to be on the show, eight thirty is when we do what we learn. We will read your text 
Put them in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. There's already been big news in the NHL if you're just joining us. General Manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jarmo Kekalainen. Well, he is no longer the general manager. We can discuss that and a bit more on the other side. We've got a few minutes before we're going to talk to Dan Rosen from NHL.com. So text in any questions or comments into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.